And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Please take those thoughts home because, um, you know, we couldn't not talk about Easter camp, could we, after having had Easter camp? But then after having that email from Naomi, we couldn't not pray for Mosul and for, for Amy as well. It's so good to have, have her there. Um, what a courageous woman. Young woman, heart after God, listening, going, doing what he wants. And that that's, that's, can be our, our experience right here in Christchurch. Don't have to be traveling across the world. Heart after God, young person, older person, hearing what God's saying, going after it. Yep. Hey, folks, I'm going to stop at half past, um, so we're not going to go long. I'll just somehow stop. <laughs> um, but uh, we've been looking at a series about this is a new era. We've been, we've been prophetically told this is a new era. In other words, it's not a remake of the old. It's not more of the same. It's not another level. It's new. It's an absolutely new era. And in a new era, era, we can bring some things from the past, but we have to think some new thoughts as well. And I'm asking the question, who actually are we? And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, what is the new thinking that we're going to embrace? Now, life goes better with wisdom. Can I get a yes? Yes. It goes a lot better with wisdom. And true wisdom comes from the Word of God. The Word of God is full of it. In fact, it's one of the names for Jesus Christ himself is wisdom. And, and, but the Bible is not a pill that we, we somehow chew it, get it down inside of us, and then we automatically have good health and it saves our marriages and we get a perfect family and, and prosperity to boot. It's not like that at all. But what this will do is it will give us wide open access to the God of the universe. Wide open access to what he thinks, how he's acted through history, how he's going to act in the future, and how he will act towards us today. It's amazing, and it will cause us to live really wise lives. And the Bible is full of encouragement for us to be self-determining. In other words, to take responsibility for our own future. I'll give you a scripture. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, who is it that has to make sure that the book of the law never departs from their mouth? It's me. What about Psalm 1? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take the seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on this law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Everything they do will prosper. But who is the person who has to determine that they're not going to walk with the wicked, but they're going to actually meditate on the word of God? No one else can do it for us. In Hebrews, it says this in chapter 6, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, which is where God wants us all to go. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Now, who is the we? It's us. We get to determine. 
In John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8, I am the true vine, Jesus said, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit does bear fruit. He prunes it so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I've placed within you. I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. And no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man or a woman remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words... Remain inside you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Nobody has ever plumbed the depths of that verse of what's possible. Everything that anyone has ever seen come to pass in their life as a result of asking of God and seeing it actually take place because of the relationship that they have even though they've dived into an amazing verse in Scripture, they've never plumbed the depths. There is more. There is more than more. There is more than more than more that God says is possible to people who will actually get this into here and live it out and just keep living it out and keep living it out and getting to know their Lord and Savior in deeper and, and, and uh, neater and more amazing ways through the good and the bad of life. That's an amazing, amazing verse. And God's desire is that all of us live fruitful, and I would say fulfilling lives. Because when fruit starts to come around your life, it's actually great. You know, if someone's getting saved around your life, Jesus says it's better than Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) He said, I've got food, I don't want your takeaways. I don't need that, I'm just full. Because I've been talking to the woman at the well. And you watch what's going to happen in her life. She's going back to her village now. And she's going to tell them some of the the things that I've spoken into her life. He said, I'm overflowing, mate. I don't need food. And whatever way God blesses, it is an amazing, fulfilling thing in our lives to do the will of God. Can I get an amen to this? Now, it's a clear command in Scripture, though, that it all comes out of spending time with Jesus Christ. We're to abide, we're to remain, we're to read, we're to deliberately try to hear from him like Naomi is, and then go and do whatever he tells us to go and do. But we personally have to take responsibility to commune with Jesus. Maturity is all about me taking responsibility for me, and you taking responsibility for... Yeah. I, why don't you say this with, let me say it first. I am nobody else's responsibility. It's up to me. It's up to me. It's easy to think that it's up to someone else to mature us and to cause us to grow. Sure, I want to grow in Christ. Well, it's their their responsibility. There was a Facebook quote that I think Christine Kane put on Facebook and, uh, and Sandra showed it to me during the week and it, the quote said this, Judas, Judas had the best pastor, the best leader, the best teacher, 
the wisest and best friend, and he still failed. And it went on and it says, the problem for lack of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, isn't the leadership or the church that you happen to go to. If your attitude doesn't change or your character doesn't become transformed, you will always be the same. Aren't they interesting words? You know, I believe growth in in our Christian lives is absolutely normal. We should be growing in our relationship with Christ, and then we should be growing in our inner world, because the kingdom of God starts within. The kingdom of God is within. And then we should be growing in in acts and things in our external world that are expressing and growing the kingdom of God. We should be growing in all of those areas. And man, I trimmed a whole lot out. I had another thought as well, but anyway, we'll have another message on that somewhere. But all of this starts with us realizing our spiritual growth is our own personal responsibility. When we stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, hang on, I'll just get John to come and stand with you. No, he's going to say, Sue, I want to talk to you about your life. I want to reward you for the things that you've been doing. You see, the starting point of discipleship is taking responsibility for our own self-feeding. Would you be prepared to live on one meal a week? Now, it would be a great meal, all the greens, all the, everything nutritious that you need, but would anyone here be prepared to live on one meal a week? Because you can go away and do it. It's your life. <laughs> well, spiritually, many Christians try to do that. Some of them try to live on one meal a fortnight. And they wonder why they're malnourished. They wonder why they never, ever feel full. They actually feel drained and, and just they've got nothing to give to other people. We've got to learn how to fill our own petrol tank. Several years ago, a person came to me and they said, I don't get fed here at this church. Your messages just don't feed me. They're not deep enough, so I'm leaving the church and going to somewhere where I'll get fed. And we talked for a little while. They did leave. We talked for a little while, and after a little while, she admitted that she hadn't opened her Bible in two years. But she wanted to preach. See, the devil knows that a fruitful, deeply satisfying, productive life comes from communing and then obeying Jesus. So the devil will do anything to keep you and me out of this or out of your headphones with it playing into your, however you digest it, however you get it into your mind and down into your heart. He'll do anything to stop that happen. Because if he steals your connection time, he steals your potential. And more than that, he steals your inheritance. He steals your potential of what your life could be. And he steals the inheritance that you have that will go on and on and on, or not very greatly, forever. So he tells you it's your pastor's job to feed you. Because he wants you to abdicate what is actually your own responsibility. Only you can feed you. Let me take this further. 80%, we're told that 80% of what we do, anyone can do in a week. 80% of what we do during the week. Things like driving a car, cooking meals, shopping, mowing the lawns, running errands. Anybody could actually do those things. And then of the remaining 20%, 
of what we do. If we train someone carefully, they could do most of the, of the remaining 20, they could do about 15% of that, which only leaves 5% of things. And that 5% of things, no one can do but you or me for ourselves. And it's this last 5% that brings the fulfillment and the joy in our lives. For example, in your marriage, if you're married, only you can be the husband to your wife or the wife to your husband. And the quality of your relationship is totally up to you. No one can do it for you. Only you can be the actual father of your children or the actual mother of your children. And the quality of that relationship between you and your, your, your kids, no one, can, no one can do that for you. Only you can. And only you can keep yourself healthy. Now, don't you wish you could abdicate this and, and just pay someone? I need 30 minutes at the gym. Here's, here's $25. Would you go do a workout for me? Don't you wish you could do that? Yeah. Only you can keep yourself disciplined and hold on to those things. And only you can feed yourself and grow yourself spiritually. So the slogan that I want to give you for this is, I'm in charge of my life. Yeah. Would you like to say that? Because this is the point of my sermon. You're actually in charge of your life. God's right there beside you. God's willing you on. But there are things that if you don't do them, he won't do them for you. Don't let this depart from you. Now, that was Old Testament where you had to, if you did the right things, you do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. That was the Old Testament. But the New Testament carries the same things. It says, we will press on to, to maturity, God willing. God behind us and God's going, I'm willing. We'll leave the basic stuff. Some of the basic stuff sounds quite complicated too, actually, in Hebrews. You notice that? The quality of your life and my life greatly depends upon developing in these areas. And growing spiritually is worth it. You know, you might say, why, why should I grow spiritually? Why shouldn't I just be pretty blasé about the whole thing? And I want to say something that I've said a number of times before. It's because life throws curveballs. You know, when Sandra's mum was killed 18 years ago, it was a curveball. When Micah's best friend dropped dead on the, on the uh, soccer field at the age of 17, it was an absolute curveball. I rang a friend of mine this last week. I'll probably cry. <laughs> And he said, he said, I've just been diagnosed with motor neuron disease. Now I'm planning to retire with this guy and go surfing with him every time the surf gets up. That's my plan. But motor neuron, for me, most people, is a three to five year wasting away of their body to death. Life throws curveballs. And there's no time to cram. There's no time to swat. We can't go. What, what we are on the inside of our life is suddenly exposed to us and to everybody else. I was amazed listening to my friend talk and just realizing the depth of faith in God in his life. You see, wisdom is what we need in our life, but wisdom doesn't come in a day. Wisdom is built day by day. 
And because he's been in the word, because he did all those YWAM courses when he was young and he went to Arama and then God called him to America and they went to America and they worked with homeless, uh, young women who were pregnant and, and homeless people and he's growing and then he went to college, and uh, Baptist college and, and got theology into his life and then he worked in various other things and his day by day by day by day is what's sustaining my friend right now as he faces something. We can't, we can't do it in a moment. But it's not just curveballs. It's spiritual maturity is worth it for lots of reasons. You know, when, we, when we're chasing and going after spiritual maturity, we get life, we get energy. The Bible says um, it's, the, this word is like bread. It's like, it's like the best meal that we could have in our terminology. Um, it, and it feeds us and it overflows us. So we have life and we have energy and we have fulfillment because we spend time with Jesus and his word. And spiritual maturity means that we'll have faith because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. God. God will speak to you about certain things. Don and Heather were spoken to about their, about their uh, property years and years and years ago. They knew they were going to end up on a, a beautiful block somewhere. And man, it's just the most amazing blessing of God in their lives. And when they were going for six years through, through medical school and, and just making every dollar um, stretch and fit and work, to see where they are now is just absolutely, absolutely amazing. But they were spoken that in faith. And by faith they believed it. And they've got a, they've got a sign that, that says, they, that they've had for years, that says, says Heather? Head, head on in. Heather, Don, in. Head, head on in. Head on in. And it's the sign that goes in front of the door, and it's probably going up in the next day if it's not there already. It's just an amazing thing. They knew it was going to happen because of the faith, the Word of God. Spiritual maturity means that transformation happens in our lives. Ephesians 5.26, we're made holy with the cleansing of the washing of the Word, of, of the word and just change begins to take on the inside. And spiritual maturity going after it means we've got something to attack back with when the enemy attacks us because we get the sword of the spirit. And spiritual maturity means that we understand the issues that are going on around the world and around, the, uh, um, and around our own lives because Hebrews 4.12 says the word is living and active, able to discern down to the very hearts and motives of people and, and uh, circumstances. There's all sorts of reasons why spiritual maturity is important but whether we grow a lot in it or a little depends on whether we take responsibility for ourselves. And maturity, as I said, actually begins in our inner world. It begins in growing up on the inside. You know, it's like uh, dropping a, a rock into water, into a pond. And what happens? The rock goes down and then the wave comes. And ripples come, Right? And we think when we become Christians, we want to get involved in the second ripple, which is taking it out into the church and ministries and getting involved. But God says, no, the first ripple is you. I want to grow the kingdom in you. I want to, I want to be able to enable you to, to begin to think how you're supposed to think because there's so many things in us. When we read the Bible, we find that we think one thing and God says, no, you're not that, you're this. And God, God, we read about people who get their name changed because they're so not what they're going to be and who they're going to be new in Christ is so different they need a brand new name. Yeah. And then it begins to dawn on us because revelation comes to us. This is how it is for every Christian. 
we, we tend to think that we're not good. We can't, I can't do that. I can't do this. I couldn't be a leader. I can't join and be involved in something. And if you think you can't, you can't. And God says, no, you're a son and daughter of God. You're, you're precious. You matter in the universe. You matter in your family. I think of you every day, and I've got all sorts of precious thoughts. And unless we start to know what God thinks about us, we'll think about how we were raised and, and what we've learned. And mostly life has taught us, you're down here. And God's saying, no, you're not. You're up here. And you see, what happens is when we try to do things in the outer kingdom... I remember the first time, uh, we're so broken on the inside. Every one of us has got broken stuff on the inside. That's why Jenny has a great business. Because <laughs> she's helping people to see the brokenness, and then what are they going to do about it? Yeah. And she's not going to fix it for them. She's a big mirror. Lovely, beautiful mirror. Yeah. You can't get around the mirror. She just holds the mirror up to your life, my life. And we have to decide what we're going to do with it. I remember the first time I was actually was a youth pastor, and I said, yeah, we can do an outreach to, to a beach on the Coromandel, and, and we can get some teams and everything. And I went home that night, and I thought, what have you done? Why did you say yes to doing this? And all these fears and insecurities started to rise within me, because the kingdom of God wasn't very enlarged. <laughs> And here I was doing something on the outside that would involve lots of people. And would anyone get saved? Would, would, the, would there be kids' program? Would, we get, would anyone want to come? Would anyone respond? And all these things started to rise up. When I, when I had my first opportunity to be able to speak, I was okay if I was dealing with children because I was older and I was dealing with children. But when I was dealing with my own age in the youth group or when I was dealing with adults, Man, the insecurities that would arise within me. I remember the first time from the platform I said, look, the Bible talks about singing in the Spirit, singing in tongues, so we as a church are going to do it. And we did. Way back in Glen Eden Baptist. Driving home that day, I was thinking, you idiot. I've just made 150 or 200 enemies. You know, everybody's going to come and tell me why I was wrong and why I shouldn't have done that. And all the insecurities and all the brokenness in my life was suddenly surfaced. And that's why sometimes when you get asked to do something and you give it a go, suddenly all this pain arises and we think, no, I'll never ever do that again. No, just get healed. And then do it. Because the first, the first ripple is about the kingdom of God growing within us. God needs to build strength and security in his call and, and his, uh, who he says you are rather than what has been written on your heart. We prayed for young Amos, write on his heart, write, write good things. Um, because if, if, if the parents don't write good things on Amos's heart, the world will. They'll tell them all sorts of terrible things. But if they start to write on their son's heart about who he is in Christ and that he's a world changer. You know, there are so many people who know that the scripture says, I'm victorious in Christ. I'm a conqueror. But they know they're not. All it does is show that the first king, the development of the kingdom hasn't happened yet. But then the kingdom goes on and it expands outside of that. And, and God expects every single one of us to have ministry in his church. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I am here to serve you. Now, it might be a future statement. It might be a future statement for some of you. 
But you are designed, can we have the band come up? But you are designed to serve in the kingdom of God. There's leadership and there's opportunities and there's things that God wants to grow in you and it will stretch you and me and it will not be necessarily easy and it'll, it'll, it'll deal with the comfort zone. And if you're into certain TV programs, it may affect whether you're going to be watching those TV programs as much in the future because your life will become busier. But it's called growth. And if we will take responsibility for our growth, who knows where God will take us in the future? Can I just show you a, a, a slide as we finish? Just the first slide. Babies are cute, right? Can I get a wave? But adults who still want to be babies aren't cute. Adults who want to stay a baby aren't cute. Can we see the next one? It's not funny anymore. God expects this. Take it the next one. That we begin to become a young man, a young boy, and an older person, and we get to actually feed ourselves. And there's all sorts of wonderful things we can feed ourselves on out there. But we have to take responsibility. What a challenge. I'm in charge of my life. You're in charge of yours. Would you like to stand? My personal revolution Starting from the inside out Pursuing new revelation Casting out fear and doubt My eternal soul salvation Have your way, Lord, break through My journey to transformation Make me be more like you.